Hello, and welcome to Pod Saha, a Lovecraft book club. I'm your host, Todd Beardsley. And I'm Claire Reynolds. Today, we're discussing last week's story, The Statement of Randolph Carter by H.P. Lovecraft, which was first published in the May 1920 issue of The Vagrant. How are you, Claire, now that we're through this <laughs> I'm dumb <pretty> storm? Good. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> yeah. Good. I was very excited about this storm. It was very thundery and scary, and I thought it would be great uh, ambiance, like natural ambiance, uh, to, to record today's podcast, but it also killed all of our electricity and destroyed our first recording. <laughs> so we're going to do this again. <laughs> that was weird. Mm-hmm. I thought this was a tight little ghost story. I enjoyed it. As I was talking about before we got interrupted by nature, uh-huh. you know, there's a lot of scene setting. And I said, that's about two thirds of the story. Yeah. Is scene setting, which sometimes I get impatient with that kind of thing, but then I just have to accept that that's the point of it. That's his style. Um, I would say, I would say that is, that is like, peak Lovecraft. Um, even though this is uh, one of the first stories that that he published, um, this is, it might be the third or the fourth, I haven't looked at, like, um, the tomb is usually cited as, as the first true Lovecraft story. He had published things earlier than that, but anyway, uh, what this is, though, is the first story that anyone counts as being part of the mythos, um, because uh. it involves... Randolph Carter, which is the most recurring character in Lovecraft uh, and is often cited as uh, as a stand-in for Lovecraft. He is the most Lovecrafty of all the characters, and he spends basically his whole life um, in, in, in Lovecraft stories. He, he figures prominently in, dream, in the Dream Quest of Unknown Karath. He is in the Silver Key. He's in, he's in mostly of those, those Dreamlands stories. Um, mm-hmm stories of lovecraft and is he is he is the uh i don't know like he's the iron man of lovecraft he he ties it together um <laughs> in a time where no one cared about cinematic universes uh, <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the story a little bit um as you said it is very sceny um it takes place in florida uh, which is unusual for lovecraft uh, most of his stuff as you know takes place in new england um, usually in like the Boston and backwoods, Massachusetts kind of areas. Um, but uh, this one, this one's in Florida. And it's essentially Carter is, Randolph Carter is telling, presume, it's not stated, uh, but he's telling police uh, about his whereabouts on the night of Harley Warren's disappearance. Harley Warren being a friend of Carter. Um, but that relationship seems a little unbalanced, which we can talk about a little bit. We are to believe from the story that uh, Randolph Carter is the last person to see Harley Warren alive. Uh, and a witness puts him on Gainesville Pike uh, outside of Big Cypress Swamp. One of the most disturbing features of the story is the questioning of a suspect without a lawyer present. And so Claire... Oh, what? I, I'm shocked when that never happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll have you know that he has not requested a lawyer. 
he has not not in the not in the story and he, he dares the cops uh, to to execute him to to not only keep him and interrogate him but to execute him I mean, uh if if that will further their their weird sense of justice or far whatever he says. be it for me to um to defend the police uh-huh but uh no he didn't ask for a lawyer he didn't and so this is the this is the twenties. So this story is published in the twenties. It was written in nineteen nineteen, um, and I'm curious. And I know that I'm I'm like ambushing you with this because we we don't rehearse oh this boy. podcast. Now at all. I'm googling Miranda. Before Miranda, who was a scoundrel? Um, how common was it for police to interrogate, uh, presumably a suspect? Like I can think of no other reason why the cops would talk to Carter. Um, other than that they believe that they killed him or had something to do with his disappearance. Like how common was it for people? And I'll even say like pre Miranda and post Miranda, like what's, what's, what's the percentage differences there of people talking to cops without, you know, advice of counsel. I have Blair. no idea what the answer <laughs> to that question is. I mean, if you're asking me, okay, so here's the thing, the cops, like I can tell you now, they are going to speak to a suspect mm-hmm. until that suspect says, "I'm not talking to you anymore. Get me a lawyer." Okay. It might continue on, but. <laughs> so, do you know, like, or even have have a suspicion with that? Because you know, famously, we're podcasters, so we don't research things. Um, Pre Miranda, how like how would that work out? For, for a suspect? Um, I honestly have no idea. I mean, my guess is they just immediately went into it. The way that they... Mm-hmm. God, every time I talk, every time I engage in this uh, podcast, I feel like I kind of stir up some kind of controversy. I don't know. I am purely speaking out of my ass right now. Uh-huh. Um, in a... In a right non non literal sense um uh-huh. figuratively got it <laughs> figuratively thank you uh-huh. i mean i would assume that they would just immediately go right into uh the torture yeah <laughs> i mean just like as, punch them or whatever now as they still do now as long as they're sure. not recording that's my opinion yeah. <laughs> that's my right. what i think happens. and that's right and so, and, and it's in Florida and it's in like kind of nowhere's Florida, um, yeah. which we'll get into in a minute, but, but I assume um, he's a white man. So he's white, you know, like, like I said, like he's a stand in for Lovecraft. Um, so he, like we can just assume that he kind of looks like Lovecraft, kind of lanky, you know, at the, at this point, they just think they're just asking about a missing guy, right? Yeah, we're just asking questions. They, there's no but yeah, that's a question. Listen, there's no body or anything. You can clear all of this up. <laughs> so in my head, what I liked to imagine was that mm-hmm. okay, so the cops are like, hey, can we ask you a few questions? And then he immediately starts vomiting out like this entire story. Now I'm like, gonna tell you some things, and it's gonna be crazy, but just bear with me. <laughs> and they, like all they do is that like this dude's wife. It was like, hey, can you start asking some questions about where this guy might be? Like, they had no idea. They're like, oh, he boy. hung out with Carter some, I guess. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I seen him. He was down in he was down in the big cypress swamp. Yeah. So, so Ice T 
and uh, and <laughs> Richard Belzer are like, <laughs> whoa. All right, they got to step aside. They're like, do you believe the story this guy is telling us? <laughs> Something about a sepulcher? <laughs> what even is that? I like the reading of the story as a police procedural, which I yes, think may be a is. first. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I listen I listen to HP Podcraft mainly to find out all the jokes I can't tell. Um, <laughs> and, and they're great. Like, but they're in their 500th episode. So they've already, like, blown through all of Lovecraft by this point. Um, I have to go, like, way back in their, their catalog to, to listen to actual Lovecraft stuff. Um, but they're great. They're, and they're funny. And, and, but as far as I know, uh, no one has, has treated the statement of Randolph Carter as a police statement. And it's in the title. I know? 100%. So I... <laughs> like, with the, when I heard you telling the story, I was like, oh, this is like, basically like, you know, last week on Law and Order, this, <laughs> this happened. <laughs> so, so let, let's, for people who, for some reason, did not listen to last last week's episode uh we can we can recap here so basically and, and like claire mentioned it is a it is a tight ghost story it is a story about a guy named carter uh who goes out into the swamp with his friend named warren um and they they unearth a tomb they they basically move something aside they move like a granite slab aside uh warren dips in and uh and and ends up getting eaten or whatever. Like there, it, there's a horrible ending, right? And that's it. Like that's the entirety of the story. So which makes me, it puts me in the mind. Like I think the normal reading of the story is is that of a campfire story um, that you tell when you're camping in the swamp because you're in the like Florida Boy Scouts or whatever. But I much prefer it as a police procedural. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's awesome. And so, and and another thing I like about the story a lot is that it's it's kind of an adventure story. Um, you know, Carter and Warren, they're geared up. Like I can, I can read this story and, you know, we have Arkham Horror card game on the brain. And so I read the story and it's like, oh, they have a shovel. That's, that's a resource that they have. They have a long ass telephone wire that lets them do a thing. (laughs) They have a lantern, (laughs) you know, like they have all this equipment to go adventuring. Yeah, don't um, get I mean get me started on the telephone. Like, was that a thing where you, I mean, they have awesome. a cell phone? I was like, they have a cell phone with them. I mean, not really a cell phone, but they have a, a two tin cans, two tin cans of a string, I guess. So this tech, I mean, it is it is a telephone. Does it say telephone in the text? Um, I believe I think it, it does. does. And he's got enough wire to to go to the center of the earth and back, which is you know, for one, it's a reference, right, to you know, journey of the center of the earth. Um, and secondly, it's probably a an exaggeration. Like I it's, don't right. think it, it's it probably had not, right? <laughs> but he's got a lot of wire. He's got like a big ass spool of wire on his on his shoulder. And I kind of imagine Harley Warren as kind of a beefy dude, like a bigger guy, like basically someone who is manlier than Lovecraft, which is not hard, but. Um, someone who has like, he's more broad shouldered and he like, you know, he's, he's kind of a, a, you know, a stern jawed adventurer type. Um, and he's, and he's in it. Right. And, and Carter in the story, since this is the first appearance of Carter in the story, 
uh, first appearance, at least in the, in the Lovecraft mythos, um, he, he is an, an, a neonate, right? Like he's a noob and he is, he's studying at the feet of Carter who has access, uh, to a bunch of, uh, forbidden knowledge. Like this is, it, this is the first introduction of a theme that comes over and over again in, in Lovecraft of forbidden texts and secret texts and secret writing. Um, this, it's not the Necronomicon, almost certainly, um, because the Necronomicon, like, is in Latin and in German and in English, which are all languages that Carter presumably knows because he states that he knows a bunch of languages. Um, but this was written in a language that the, the book that, that Warren is working off of for this experiment, whatever he's doing, is written in a language that, that, that Carter doesn't know. Um, and so there's, there's gaps, right? And Carter's not. So, so Carter is, is the student in this story. Warren is like the, the kind of manly, kind of macho adventurer type, which I like. I like that contrast. But yeah, so this telephone though is probably the highest tech gadget around. I don't know if it existed in 1920. I cannot imagine it did because you'd need power. Um, it, it's basically like a portable, it's a portable wired two node, you know, telephone system. Uh, I, it might, it's a little fantastical, which I think is okay, right? Cause that's Lovecraft, right? He writes about fantasy and, and proto sci-fi and, and horror. So like this kind of like technological gadget that lets them talk to each other, you know, A, it's important for the story, but B, like in the realm of the possible in, in 1920. Um, but, but it does evoke for me, like, kind of like the wild, wild west sort of style of steampunk. Um, I very much want to cosplay Harley Warren with just like a bunch of cable. Um, and I'm, and I'm going to keep talking until you interrupt me. So <laughs> no, I just like it uh, go on. No, I just occurred to me that. Okay. So I, I finally Googled, I had assumed while reading mm. this that he had based this on the story of Howard Carter and King Tut's tomb uh-huh. until I just now wikipedia it and realized that that happened in 1923. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the 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 very famous exploration of King Tut's tomb, um, you know, is contemporary with Lovecraft. Uh, but this we'll story was written that. before that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Like, did Lovecraft ever hang out in, in Florida? I'm so glad you asked that. Um, so I did some research, uh, and I want to take you. I want to take you on a little bit of a journey with the Lovecraft Travel Agency. So, as you know, I want to travel to every spot that Lovecraft has ever written about, um, and we were in Florida. Uh, and we could have done it if I had any brains in my head, um, because it is it is very, very South Florida is where Big Cypress Swamp is. Yes. Um, notably, Miami. it is it, it is cl- way closer to Miami than it is to Gainesville. Gainesville is several hundred miles north. Yeah. So and what so, did he just look at a map and was like, hmm. Eh, Gainesville, whatever. That sounds good. There is no, there is no Gainesville Pike. So I've sent you a link to the map of where this thing is, and it is on the very tip of Florida. 
and it is on the what is that? That that is on the west, the west coast of Florida. Yes. But it's actually pretty close to Miami. It's probably a hundred and not two hundred miles from Miami, where it is in fact like almost four hundred miles away from from Gainesville, which is way north. Yeah. The best map I have of this is is Hammond's map of Florida from nineteen ten. Um, that's about the most contemporary I could get. I don't think there was a lot of road construction in Florida between 1910 and 1920, but maybe there was. Maybe maybe someone built a uh, a Gainesville Pike. That seems unlikely. Yes, really not close to Gainesville. It is about as far away from Gainesville as you could be. Now that doesn't mean like like I you know we live in Austin and every street nearby us is named after another city in Texas. So maybe there's a Gainesville Pike. Uh, at least in the Lovecraft-averse. But in the real world, my guess is that he was spotted on uh, State Road 29, uh, also known at the time as Fakahatchee Road, uh, and right near where Big Cypress Swamp starts. And so for the purposes of the Lovecraft Travel Agency, someday we have to go back to Florida uh, and and visit Big Cypress. Big Cypress Swamp, at least like the the touristy parts of it. Maybe we'll find a grave site there. It seems unlikely, however, because I also looked at the water table uh, in Florida, in that region of Florida, and it being a swamp, um, it on the outside you have twenty feet between the ground and and the water table. Most of the area, almost all of the area is within zero to five feet is what it's listed on on a topographical map. So which raises a question for me of where the heck did Harley Warren go? Because if it's five feet to the water table and there's no mention of splashing, (laughs) (laughs) like to me, so this, this, so I have two, two theories. Okay. One. Uh Uh, it's a, it's a little bit of a hill in the middle of the swamp that gets him a little bit of room. Um, and maybe it's in a weird part of the swamp where the water table is maybe 15 or 20 feet underneath. And so he gets down and then kind of goes straight. Right. Uh, and then he runs into like, I don't know, a family of ghouls because he says there's more than one. Like he's talking about there's legion of them. Um, it's always plural when, when Warren is talking, he he runs into these monsters. Um, more likely, Warren had found a gate to another horrible dimension, a horrible monster dimension, which is common in, in Lovecraft. As you do. As you do, which is common not just in Lovecraft, but in like basically every Lovecraft board game, card game, role-playing game. <laughs> There's gates littered everywhere. And so he has this forbidden text that describes a a gate to another dimension that is disguised as a Richard Garriott style <laughs> necropolis is a gate <laughs> in the swamp. Yeah. And you had asked earlier, um, it feels like, you know, eons ago, you had asked, had, had Lovecraft ever hung out in Florida? He did. Um, he did famously, uh, but it was later in life. Um, it was not, it was definitely not in 1919, 1920. So he would have been, uh, I think he was in his 40s, and he went to go visit uh, a fan in Florida and ended up living there for weeks and weeks and weeks. 
Um, I'm a little bit sketchy on the details there because I haven't looked it up recently, but there was like this whole thing. There was a 16-year-old kid who was writing to Lovecraft and Lovecraft went to go visit him and he didn't know he was 16. Like the kid was like, you know, kind of keeping that (laughs) close to the chest. And the kid was like super gay. Uh, Uh Lovecraft was not, question mark, um, but did end up living with him and his mother for weeks. Uh, And they did like Boy Scout campy things. Like they went and fished and you know gathered flowers and stuff and like did swampy things um Mm -hmm. but that was much much later in in lovecraft's life so not only did he predict the uh (laughs) the exploration of king sot's tomb but he predicted his own adventure uh in in uh in florida with this like kind of very kind of hyper masculine relationship uh as described with with warren which i do want to talk about a little bit but hear me now and believe me later. We can easily crush girly men like grape. Harley clearly knows what he's doing. But C- Carter does not. And Car- and it's written in the sense where like he's he's retelling the story to the cops uh about why he's there and it's like it kind of becomes apparent in his telling of the story that he doesn't super know why he's there. But he's like, yeah, I was friends with this guy and we went out to the swamp and we found this this gravesite, this charnel, this charnel spot full of sepulchers. Sepulchers. <laughs> and uh uh-huh. Sepulchers. <laughs> sepulchers. Uh which is the one of the many names of our cat. Uh we he has like 12 names. Um and this is the most recent. <laughs> You know, but he just kind of finds himself out there, not super understanding what's going on, um, which which brings up two things for me. One, he's telling the story to the cops, so this has got to sound fishy to the cops, right? Like, right. Oh, of course. So let me yeah. let me get this straight. This guy took you out to the swamp, <laughs> went into a tomb or sepulcher, whatever you want to call it, and that was it. That was the last time he saw me. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, why are you there? I don't know. Like, I mean, this has got like, you know, Florida man written all over it. Um, secondly, though, uh, from a literary point of view, um, Lovecraft has stated that he wrote this uh, after having a dream about it. Like, this is basically the plot of his dream. And and I do like, if you know that when you're reading it, um, you really do get the sense that it's very dreamlike, where like you're in a situation and you're not super sure what's going on, but clearly you're meant to like move this tombstone and do a thing and like oh look at that i have lanterns i guess i brought them with me you know like it it has that kind of feeling to it um so it's it's kind of dreamy um which which makes sense for for randolph carter specifically because he figures so prominently in later dreamland stories like i'm wondering if this adventure in florida is really kind of like his first his first like step into the dreamlands as a as another dimension like as an established dimension um that that exists alongside around so like i I found that pretty interesting um and that's and that's all i'm gonna say on that matter i do kind of think it's a little bit though the former again with the police procedural (laughs) of well so why were you there Eh, i don't know like i feel like the story has edited out all the cops questions and it's just oh yeah yeah. You know, you're hearing only the one side here. <laughs> well, I like. I mean, he just sounds like he's just vomiting it out. Like, it's, I think they maybe asked him like two questions, yeah. and now they they just sat back. 
and like Pikmin's model, like it's not like on first reading and maybe second reading, like you might think this is the day after, right? Like just with Pikmin's right. model, it's like, where where did this dude go? Well, let me tell you about it. Like this may be a month or three months after, you know? Yeah. Like, cause, and, and I, and I, you know, control F through the story of like, well, when does he ever actually say last night or a week ago or anything like that? He gives no time reference. All yeah. he knows is that the events that happened must have been um, close to midnight or after um, because of the position of the moon in the sky, which is, by the way, like a terrible way to tell time because the moon like jumps all over the place over the course of a 28-day cycle. Um, it is very difficult to tell time by moon. <laughs> like sun, you're on. <laughs> moon, not so much. Right. <laughs> Um, so, so anyway, he like, he like describes the position of the moon, which would, I guess if you're an astronomer in the twenties, like you could maybe like do some like cool forensic work on that, but I'm doubting these Florida cops are, are in that position. Um, you know, so who knows, who knows yeah. when this happened? This could have been, this could have been a year ago. Like I, we have no idea uh, in the, in the story. I also get a distinct vibe of like when my 10 year old son is in trouble your nine-year-old son oh he's almost he'll be 10 in just like a week or so <laughs> yeah but you're right now my nine-year-old sorry I've, I've aged him prematurely uh, of like me asking a question and then uh -huh. all of a sudden I'm getting a start like oh okay oh oh and then what oh oh so you're telling me he had uh, you he went in with enough wire to go to the center of the earth oh uh -huh. okay all huh. right and the, interesting <laughs> and you were talking to him on the phone yeah was that where did he get the wire from did they carry that much at home depot okay <laughs> and let, yeah it's <laughs> i don't know i just i thought that was super funny when i was reading this because yeah. i was like well okay it's nope. i can't tell you it's too utterly beyond thought i dare not tell you this is the this is the button on the story too, right? Where um, he wants to tell them, but he's like, "Oh, by the way, I have amnesia." Um, right. Again, literary wise, like this makes sense. Like you're gonna have gaps in your story because dreams don't make sense, and that's the thing, right? Yeah. When you're talking to the cops <laughs> and you say, "And I saw something so horrible, I can't possibly describe it." I don't know. I don't think they're gonna take that as an answer. <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's like, yeah, I, you know, I told you everything I'm going to tell you and I haven't lied at all, except there are big gaps. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to say that up front. And, and also he repeats that, like the whole story is basically repeated twice. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, like when you read it, if you read it critically, you're like, wait a minute, didn't he just say that like three paragraphs ago? So it does have the, the pattern. And I don't know if it, this was like intentional by Lovecraft to have the pattern of a police interrogation. Uh, maybe it is because it's in the title. You know, I don't know. It might. I mean, because that's what they do well, is they're going to ask yeah. you this. They're going to ask you to repeat your yep. story like 12 times and find out where yep. you change it. Yep. Yep. And but like he I'm conveniently you, doesn't change anything. You think yeah. he killed him? You, you think this is you think Carter <laughs> just, just straight up murdered Harley Warren, his best friend, the Harley Warren, who incidentally made fun of him and his courage and his nerves. Uh -huh. You think he killed him, Claire? Yeah. Does the prosecution rest? <laughs> <laughs> I think we found it out, folks. 
definitely not the prophecy. This is breaking again. Yes. Like I feel like I have a breaking news. Like you know, two people... episodes in a row now. Breaking news: Randolph Carter killed it's Harry. People, people are saying that. Uh-huh. You know, people are saying that that he killed him. I like this theory. I like the th- the theory of the crime holds. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no one saw him again. And, and by the way, like. I know we've spent we have spent twice as much time talking about the story as I took reading the story. <laughs> um, but here, and I kind of thought this would be a short episode. We'll see how it goes, how it survives editing. I mean, I'm probably going to cut 20 minutes out at least. Harley Warren is taking Randolph Carter on this adventure, right? Like he's bringing a book that that Carter can't read. Uh, right. To go to a place, and he hasn't really filled in Carter on what's going on because everything is a surprise to him. It would appear to me that the entire purpose of bringing Carter was to help him move the slab. Like that is literally <laughs> the only thing he does in this adventure. He just like, hey dude, can you like maybe throw a little bit of muscle on this? And because otherwise, this is my thing. Oh yeah, yeah. No, you're right. That's all he asked him to do is just help him move the slab. Yep. Now he does, you know, when when he gets into trouble, he's like Carter, you got to get out of here. Like he clearly cares about him. Um, yeah. You know, one is better than two, and all of that. Like he assumes Carter is able to move the slab by himself, which I think is like also maybe trolling him a little. Like, oh, you got to move that slab back. <laughs> okay, if you can. <laughs> okay, then there's also the whole beat it for God's sake, put the slab. Put back the slab and beat it, beat it, Carter, beat it. You know, it's like, <laughs> yep. what if he's just messing with him the whole time? That's what he's he doing. He may be fucking with him. Yeah, he he's like, with him. oh yeah, you better run, Carter. <laughs> you think that he went to like the nude moon? You know, like <laughs> <laughs> nude on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> he, he went. He went to the dimension of like hot chicks and and bong rips, <laughs> and he no, doesn't want to let Carter know. I mean, you know what? <laughs> If you wanted to mess with somebody, do it. Yeah, you totally do this. Yeah, yeah, you would. God, that Warren is such a dick. <laughs> I mean, it's also, also like, and, you know, you know. It, go ahead. Well, no, I, here's what happened. Okay, I finally figured right. it out. You have a new theory so, of the case. No, it's not new. It's just All expanded. Right. Okay, so because okay. in every story there is an element of the truth. Sure. Uh, so Warren took Carter out here and was totally messing with him. Uh-huh. And um, or Carter got mad and bashed him over the head. I gotcha. I gotcha. Because he couldn't have gone deep because of the water table. Right. So he, he like shielded the lantern or turned it off or whatever. And then like made this whole thing. And then he came out and Carter's like, you motherfucker. And then just like gave him the shovel yeah. treatment is what you're yeah. telling me. And probably buried him out there. And then the cops show up. Who knows how much later? Two weeks, three weeks later. Hey, what you guys? What were you guys doing out there? What book are you gonna have that tells you what? From ancient, India. Some ancient from India that tell. Uh-huh. This is like, you know, the Latter Day Saints. I mean, this yep. is like the more, it's like it's a Mormon <laughs> book that tells you that like, oh, there's an, <laughs> there's an ancient, it's <laughs> an ancient uh, being buried in, in Florida. 
Uh-huh. I mean, there are a lot of ancient beings buried in Florida. This whole thing just stinks. If I'm a cop, uh-huh. I, I don't believe a word Carter coming out it. of his mouth. All right. yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I am excited to find out what happens to Randolph Carter uh, over the course of the mythos. I'm pretty sure he gets away with this one, though. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah. yeah, no, this makes definitely yeah. makes me want to like treat this whole thing as like a story arc in Law and Order. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. <laughs> and definitely with Ice T. We're gonna revisit. You know, I just started following Ice T's Twitter. It's kind oh, of I love awesome. Him. He's kind of great. Yeah. I mean, he's he's constantly like challenging people to fights, and the dude's like, what? How old is he? So he's got to be I at least fifty five. He's aged. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so Icy Watch here on yep. uh, Pod Um So cool. I I think we're good. <laughs> I think I we've think covered so. 45 minutes of this. <laughs> 45 minutes of, of, of recording, of, which may get condensed down to 20. Law and order. Yeah. Colon. Special cultist unit. Special cultist unit. <laughs> I'll see you. <laughs> It's Dreamlands. With the, it's with Dream, the New Zealand, Dreamlands detail. The New Zealand cops and Ice T. So Wellington Paranormal, but also yes. Ice T is there. Right. And so is Mulder. And then Florida. And also it's in Florida. Oh my God. We well, TM TM TM. Uh we're gonna pitch this yep. uh, probably to probably to NBC uh end of the week. So uh cool. I think I've hit all my notes and that's it. So uh, All right. Uh, by the way, if you want to like take a trip down memory lane uh, with this, if you are an old timey Lovecraft person, um, I I did stumble across the archive of the Shadow Over Usenet coverage of this. Um, this was back when Usenet was a thing. I assume it's still a thing, but it was kind of where people talked about the internet uh, and things on the internet uh, back in the '90s. Uh, this was dated 1995, April 10th, 1995 was the shadow over Usenet thread on, uh, on, on Usenet. So I will post that in the show notes. If you want to read through that, it's, it's actually pretty short. Not a lot of talk about this, uh, which I don't know why, because we just spent 45 minutes talking about it and it's clearly a, a, a an unsolved <laughs> murder <laughs> in, in, in South Florida, um, so check that out. That'll be in the show notes. I'll link to the uh, to the map uh, to Hammond's 1910 map of Florida, which is interesting, um, specific mainly because there are very few roads in Florida in 1910. Uh, and I think that's it. So thank you, Claire, so much for hanging out on this podcast with me. Um, even though you won't listen to it, it's still great that you'll <laughs> at least record. This has been Pod Sothoff, a Lovecraft book club. Hosted, edited, and produced by me, Todd Beardsley. Thanks to my very special guest, Claire Reynolds, for discussing the statement of Randolph Carter with me today. Next week, I'll be reading The Cats of Ulthar by H.P. Lovecraft, so be sure to come back then. In the meantime, you can also follow the show on Twitter. It's at Pod Sothoff, or you can email at hideous at podsothoff.club. If you do email, please be sure to include some pronunciation tips on your name, uh, for your missive may be read on the show. 